Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi, here as always with Nima Tavali. Today should be a, a really, really interesting uh, <laughs> podcast because there is so much to talk about on today's show. So many huge games um, at the weekend, in the final weekend before the international break for Euro 2024 qualifiers that start this week, uh, Italy playing against England. So we're going to be previewing uh, Italy's match uh, against England and then against Malta, the the Italy squad that's been called up by Roberto Mancini. But before all that, of course, we will talk about the Serie A uh, weekend matches. Of course, Inter versus Juventus in the Derby d'Italia, um, a very controversial handball or a few handball incidents that uh, led to Juventus' winner. Uh, we've got the, the Rome derby uh, controversy in that as well. Um, we have also Napoli winning yet again, thrashing Torino 4-0. They are romping to the Scudetto. We have Milan losing again. Their crisis is back. The revival is over. Um and uh, we also have Antonio Conte going on a, an absolute meltdown, an epic meltdown, um, one of his <laughs> most epic, maybe his most epic meltdowns yeah, uh, after Tottenham's match against Southampton. Uh, and then, as I said, um, Italy versus England this Thursday. So we're gonna, going to preview that game, Italy going into that match in very, very bad shape. So, so yeah, lots to talk about. Um, as always, this is our Monday episode. So for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, um, which uh, we do every Monday, which reviews the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. And if you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content throughout the week, which includes a, a weekly Q&A episode, which we do every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our Patreons. Plus, we do a weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews post-match reaction and uh, plenty more then go to patreon.com slash tifp and you can become a subscriber for just 2.99 a month plus vat and for those of you that are listening on spotify itunes and apple podcasts would really really appreciate if you leave us a five-star rating give us a follow give us a, a subscribe and this really helps us to, to to grow okay lots to talk about then so let's get into it Inter versus Juventus to start with, the, the Sunday evening game. Never any love lost between these two teams, two, the two biggest rivals in, in Italian football and uh, two of the biggest rivals in all of football anywhere. Um, Juventus win the game at San Siro 1-0, um, but only after, and this is where we have to start, only after a goal scored by Filip Kostic in which there were three potential handballs and we're going to discuss all of them uh, individually. Um, in the lead-up, the build-up to the goal, the first um, against Rabiot, uh, and then after that, two potential handballs by Vlaovic, all in the build-up to the goal. Uh, the goal was given live in play, and then we went to the VAR. We were waiting for an absolute age, up to almost five minutes. Um, it was then decided by the VAR that the goal... Um, should stand. Uh, of course, there's been a lot of debate uh, about this after the game. Um, were they handballs? Were they deliberate? Were they accidental? There's lots of lots of, to to delve into on this. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through each uh, episode one by one, uh, and then come to an overall kind of conclusion on on you know was it the right decision or was it the wrong decision? So let's start off with Rabio. 
um, to start with. Um, so as I said, this was kind of on the halfway line. Uh, just finding my notes. Uh, and um, yes, the ball. So the ball comes down. He tries to chest it. Um, to, you tell me. You tell me your take on this on the Rabiot uh, incident first. I think he jumps up to take it, but he mistimes his jump, doesn't he? Um, and and it bounces. It looks like he's, you know, he he wants to head it, but he doesn't head it, and it kind of gl- slides chest off his it. arm. Yeah, or he wants to, yeah, head he or want, chest, yeah, he yeah. Tries to, yeah, head or chest. Yeah, whatever he's trying to do, it's not really clear what he's trying to do, but it doesn't. He does. He fails with both his chest and his and his head, and it kind of it looks like he guides the ball. It touches it below the shoulder, and then it bounces off. Uh, to Vlaovic, who's got his arm towards his body. Uh, so to me, the the Vlaovic first one is not. I don't even think we need to discuss it because it's it's that's. We'll not come on to Vlaovic though. Let's come on to. No, Vlaovic I mean, no, but it's just. I mean, to me, it's like that situation because they're yeah. kind of tied. I mean, that situation, that first situation. Yes, it goes on Vlaovic's arm, but it's nothing to talk about because there's no deliberate. His body, arm is by his body, so there's, that's not. We don't even talk about that. But the, the the it's the it's the second Vlaovic one and the first and this Rabio thing, which I think are. It's just it's it be but it's starting to get ridiculous now um, because this this notion of well you know did it touch his arm is it part of his arm well the I, IFAB has explained clearly what part of the what part of the hand is it's anything below the shoulder um, so we don't need to you know anything below the shoulder is hand is for the purposes of handball offence um, and and it's it's the second week in a row with Rabiot that we've seen this and, and the, the issue comes down to the, this notion of whether or not it was conclusive or not. Well, even if you were to give the benefit of the doubt to it not being conclusive a, a discussion, which I find incredibly pathetic because now all of a sudden, whether or not we're, we're, everyone has turned into, you know, detective Grissom from Las Vegas PD on CSI. Now we're waiting for the lab results to see if it touched the arm or not. It's ridiculous. Um, so it's, it is conclusive. It, it, it bounces off his arm, but then, you know, what, what are we waiting for? Um, and it's, it's, it's silly. Um, so, okay. Even if you were to say that that part of it is not, it didn't touch his arm or it did, it, 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 you know, I, I just find it ridiculous to be honest, this, this thing. It, it, yeah. even, even if we were to give give the greatest benefit of the doubt and say, no, it doesn't touch his arm, it's not deliberate. Okay, but the Vlaovic second one is not even up for debate. Well, we'll come on to Vlaovic. I'll, 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 I'll give my view on Rabio first. See, initially, when I saw it with the first camera angle that came out at the time that they showed on the TV that was all over social media at the time of the, the incident, I thought it hit the arm from the angle that was shown immediately. It looked like it definitely hit his arm um the one where they show it where it's quite close it's quite a close up uh and it looked definite a definite uh handball um that's without that's just talking about whether it hit him that's without going into the whole intentional non-intentional you know which is another argument then after the game Rai released two videos um that were also on Domenico Sportiva as well mm. um, these are the only videos that exist that I've seen that shows the incident clearly and from the correct distance and they showed one from a, a front angle and a backing back angle that that video appears to show that it didn't hit Rabio's hand it uh, doesn't hit sorry it didn't hit his arm that 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 angle and that's been you know that's been on social yeah, media that video, yeah. this morning it was uh, football italia did a story on it um and you know 
I'm not going to say it's 100% conclusive, that video, um, but it appears to show that there isn't, you know, their analysis of it, Rai, the forgotten his name, Max Sakani is the Domenico Sportiva, Moviolista, they call it, which is like the guys that they do that. <laughs> it's the best word ever. The, um, what do you call it? How do you, just, how do you translate that? Kind of like the, the slow motion. Yeah, slow motion no, replays. Like... They they do this on Italian TV where they go back and mm-hmm. forth. They they go back and everything. And you know, his his analysis of that was that that video didn't show it hitting his arm. Um, that there was light. I'm not sure if there was that you could see clearly. There was light, but it, it the, the trajectory of the ball definitely doesn't move. Um, but you know, it appears from that video um, that um, that it you know it didn't touch his arm. Um, and I mean, I don't know whether the VAR, and this is another debate, and this is what wound me up about last time. I don't know whether the VAR had that this camera angle. How can this, they not have this, that? This camera How can angle they came not out. Have that image. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's, well, it's, I don't know that, if they did. Right, I mean, the, you, Rai you, had it at the end of the game. Rai had it at the end of the game, but I don't know whether yeah. they, they, the VAR had it. But I mean, even if they did or didn't have it, um, I would just say that having the, you know, with the decision, with the ref, with the, um, the original decision from the referee on the field being that, you know, um, they didn't give the handball that then when they did check it they couldn't quite possibly come to the conclusion for on that this I'm talking purely on the Rabio and not the Vlaovic one mm-hmm. here uh, they couldn't come to the conclusion that that this was a this was a definite handball um, so for that reason you know uh, Sakani says and, and Luca Morelli said you know it was the correct call for VAR not to give a handball against Rabio um, and you know I think from what we're seeing from the videos that we've seen I think that's the correct decision um, on Rabio, Vlaovic will come to, <laughs> will come to Rab- for Vlaovic because um, I think that is there's more debate there. And this, I think, you know, from the the videos that are shown, um, it's not it, it's it's there's no evidence, clear evidence that it's a handball. Um, but yeah, Vla- as for Vlaovic, um, I think that the initial Vlaovic handball straight after the Rabio, I think that's pretty clear cut. You know, it hits him on the arm. There's no doubt that it hits him on the arm, but it's not. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's not, not a handball. Inten- it's not it's intentional. Not a handball. Yeah. There's no intention whatsoever. He has no time to react. The ball lands, and he's got his arm right by his body. He can't do anything else. I mean, that's not. I don't even. We don't even need to discuss that because it's just. It's not. It's yeah. He's got his arm by his body. There's nothing to talk about. There's, that's okay. not a handball. The, the second handball. Then I'll ask you about this. So the second handball. So after Rabio miscontrols it. It hits mm. Blaovic unintentionally on the hand, comes back mm. to Rabio. Rabio then flicks it back to Vlaovic. Vlaovic goes to chest the ball, right? He che- uh, he he chests it and it hits him on the bicep, the chest and the bicep simultaneously. It hits him. No, so it bounces. You can see his muscle, like his bicep muscle moves. Like it's not even. Yeah, a, it, it hits he, simultaneously he on his. Yeah. yeah, he guides the ball with his bicep, which is part of the arm, as per the definition of an IFAB, which is part of the hand. Uh, and that, you know, he's making his body bigger uh, as well when his arm is outside. He's steering the ball. That is just, it's just tick, tick, tick. That's a deliberate handball. I mean, that is just, that's, that's a disgrace. And the fact that they can't even pretend that they didn't have the, the images for that, because I don't even think they were looking at that, to be honest. I don't even think they were looking at that situation. They were looking at the first two. They, and, I'll, and, I'll, and, I'll, and let what, me read, just so everybody understands. What Kifi says, and what Kifi says, like what's been said, reported in, in the in Italian media, is that Who? he tells Kifi, the referee, 
All right, he tells yeah. Barella that we're, it's two possible handball situations, but that's not mm. the one they're referring to. They're referring to the first two ones. They're, they're not looking at this, and that is the disgrace because you don't need a special angle. The, they, they, can, they can enlarge in. Uh, I saw some, I can't remember who it was on Italian TV talking absolute nonsense saying, well, the VAR can't, uh, when they have the video they have in front of them, they can't enlarge in the images or the, the the images on the screen, which is nonsense. We've seen them do it time and time again. Um, so you can do it. They have these images. Ravanelli, the Juventus legend, was was on Sport Media said, um, you had Zazaroni had all these guys on. They all said, no, no, here you, you it's not even this this is a handball offense. He he could have blown his whistle. He should have blown his whistle. Let me just he so everybody understands the ball. Okay, let me just Nima, yeah. let me just stop you there. Um let me read out what the actual IFAB rules are on, on handballs, just so everybody's clear. So three points. Number one, no goals can be scored with the arm or hand, even if it's accidental, right? Mm. Deliberate ham- number two, point two, deliberate handballs are and have always been an offence. So there's that's the two points. So you, you can't score with your hand, even if it's accidental, right? Um, but if you deliberate if you deliberately handle the ball anywhere on the pitch, it's an offence. It's an infringement, right? And then point three, um, which is probably the key point, is incidental or accidental contact is only an offence if it's done by the player who scores the goal. In other words, you can't score with your hands, you can't control the ball with your hand and then score, but you can have incidental contact with your hand and assist a goal, start a counter-attack, etc., that that ends up leading to a goal. As long as it's not deliberate. As long as it's not deliberate. deliberate. If, let me finish, if an attacking player's accidental handball immediately precedes another player scoring, the goal will be awarded. That is uh, as of uh, from 2021. However, a player will still be penalised. However, a player will still be penalised if he commits an accidental handball immediately before scoring a sell. So basically, the question is this with with Vlaovic's second handball. Was this handball incidental or was it deliberate? That's the the question. If If it's deliberate, then the referee should have blown or the VAR should have overturned this and disallowed it. If, if it was, if, they even uh, were looking if it, it was accidental, sure they, they were even looking yeah, maybe they, maybe they the didn't. I'm not maybe, even sure they, they're looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible they got overwhelmed, but if it was accidental, if it was accidental, then, uh, it, it should be, um, it should be allowed. Now just to play devil's advocate here, because I don't think it's as clear cut as you think it is, but I would probably <laughs> lean towards more towards it being a handball is, he goes to, you know, he's not deliberately trying to handle the ball. He's trying to chest the ball, but it it hits his arm as as he's trying to chest it. He didn't go lean with his arm. There is a deliberate action of his body towards the ball, and his arm is outside of his body, making it unnaturally mm, bigger. I disagree like with the second thing, part. When people that. talk when people talk about deliberate, what what do they think they do? That the, the, w- 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 this definition of what you think he sat there in Belgrade and cahooted with his uncle said, "Oh, you know what? what on Sunday with on in <laughs> Milan, I'm going to plan." I mean, this is ridiculous. Like, this notion of deliberate becoming some sort of no, mastermind. When you, plan. Yeah, but Nimmo, when you try and chest the ball, sometimes you do misjudge it and it hits your it hits your hand sometimes yeah. you know that that happens mm. that's not doesn't mean you are responsible for your body you are well, responsible for your body Nima, when you, you when are you responsible for your arms 
you're responsible for your arm, but when you chest the ball, you naturally have your arms in a certain position to chest the ball. You don't chest your ball with your arms straight down there by the side. There is a deliberate movement of his arm towards the ball. It is not an accident. The, ac- the, 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 the non-deliberate movement is when the ball before, uh, in, the pre- in the seconds before that, when the ball lands on his arms, right, on his hand. He didn't do any movement towards the ball whatsoever. He is trying to control the ball with his body. He misjudges it, meaning there is intention already there. The fact that his body, that his arm, and his arm is sticking outside like and we mm. you can clearly see that the ball touches his biceps like it's it's yeah. that I'm, me, I'm this torn is, I'm, unbelievable. I'm, t- I'm, I'm a little bit torn i think there is some subjectivity to it because i think that he's gone to chest the ball right as he's chest the ball yes he's moved his body which naturally means he's moved his arms because his arms are part of his body but he hasn't moved his arm towards the ball he's moved his body towards the ball because he's trying to chest it and he's and it's mm. hit his chest and his arm no, at the same he time. Mis-hits, he mis he doesn't he's his control in that situation because yeah he's miscontrolled it so he's miscontrolled yeah, it but, but still, is that but is that an accidental is that an accidental miscontrol of his body. No, it's not because it's a deliberate mm. movement of his body and his arms are part of his body. Like this, this, yeah. this is the thing that is just astonishing to me that they that, that I don't even think they looked at it. They didn't even look I, at I it. I agree with That's you there. Thing. I agree with you there. I think they didn't look at it. I think they were. They saw that there was a handball for Rabiot, potential handball for Rabiot. Then they've seen another potential ball, handball for, for Vlaovic, and they just kind of automatically probably thought, well, there can't be another handball, surely, after that. So they've just focused and honed in on these first two, and they've just, I think they've probably just, they just missed the third they just one. Didn't do the I mean, I'm assuming. We don't know that they for sure, but I'm assuming. No, yeah, but do you know what? Even on the TV, even on the TV, they were saying, they were saying, um, that you know, they were only talking about two handball incidents. Even the commentators, where I was listening to it on BT Sport, they like, they didn't even acknowledge the third one. Then after the game, they said actually there was a third one. That there was a third handball potentially. You know, so well, they took four minutes. They didn't even look at this. I mean, five minutes. Yeah, this this is this is what I mean. It's 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 a disgrace. That is an absolute scandal. Mm. That is a scandal. The ball literally touches. Yeah, if they didn't, if they didn't see it, that is an absolute scandal. If they didn't even even look, which is even I'm I'm hoping for their sake they didn't see it, because if they saw it and don't give it, then we're what are we what are we talking? Then we're in really really big trouble here. Because there is a deliberate movement of his body towards the ball, he miscontrols his body. His heart, his hands, his his bicep hits it, which is part of the hand, as per the definition of IFAB. His hand arm is sticking out. I mean, what are we doing mm. here? I mean, I, I think I think I think is yeah. I think is a little bit more subjective. Even if I generally I would lean towards towards what your 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 view of it. Even though I do think there is some subjectivity, because having played the game, I, you know that's happened loads when I've played. I've tried to chest the yeah. ball, and it's just and it's just hit my. You know, you put your arms. You like are that responsible when you just, for your body. That's what you, everyone is responsible for their bodies. You're responsible for your foot. You're responsible for your arm. You're responsible for your head. If there is a deliberate action of your body and you miscontrol your body and you're I will, what i will say nimmer is this my opinion is the handball rule is stupid whatever your whatever your interpretation on any of these incidences i've always said if an attacking player handles the ball in the lead up to a goal the goal should be disallowed whether it's exactly. accidental or, or like deliberate. it was I before I, I think it's a ridiculous rule because if i mean tell me this is what i can't understand nimmer right um you know regardless of you know we we disagree a little bit over the 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 absolutism of that interpretation um is you know if goals can be disallowed for accidental fouls in the lead up to a goal why should handballs be different doesn't make any sense it makes no sense they changed it It was good it was working there was no need to tinker with this yeah (laughs) before 2021 it was working everyone knew that 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 it was crystal clear 
a player was allowed to to uh, like when he's trying to go and ta- to, to tackle to keep his balance and the arm and the ball hit his arm, then that's not a foul because he's trying to keep his balance. You know which one I mean, like when they're sliding down in the penalty area, or 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 and and you you try to maintain your balance by putting your hand behind your back, right? That was yeah. that was considered okay, but everything else you're not allowed yeah. to do it. You're simply not allowed to do it. It's it's not allowed. It's not no. part of the game. It goes against the spirit of the game. And it was no, fine. It's just, another, it's just another example of what I've been crying about for the last 10 years, about or more than 10 years, is that every single rule change and every single change, which is, sometimes they try and call evolution, but it's all deliberate, is to benefit the attackers, to make there be more goals, to, be, to there to be more chaos, because this is what neutrals love. They want, they want more... Um, you know they want more goals and they want more chaos and um, you know I think it's I think it's a joke that a goal you know whatever you're in again I insist you know I disagree with you a little bit about about that about you know about it being subjective or object or you know but it's ridiculous to me that a goal can be allowed for a handball in the incident in the this is the thing that it's it, that, that too, it, it's not a goal. That. but to me the thing that gets me is that being clumsy and miscontrolling your body when there is a deliberate movement of your body is not an excuse because the deliberate the deliberate part is already there you move towards the ball you being clumsy is not a mitigating factor here that the deliberate action has already been done you missing the ball and hitting it with your hand i mean if we're going to read it like that then nothing is a handball unless we do a Kevin Striegel. Well, yeah, because because it's, it's whether your hands in an unnatural position. Yeah, well, yeah, or, or it's about this it, Maro, who's the world champion of grabbing. He's the only player I've ever seen who grabs the ball with both ten fingers on the ball in the middle of a of the penalty. He does it time and time again. Bologna, Somaro. <laughs> that's his specialty. That's his superpower. Him and Striegel Larsen. Yeah. Uh, but but it's like it is what it is. But th- this notion is is it's. He, there is a deliberate movement. He he miscontrols yeah, but his body. But there's also it's the idea. Mindset. There's also the there's also about it being. You know, is it in an unnatural? Is it in a natural position? That's the key thing. And you know that for me, it yeah, wasn't sticking a natural out from position. Your body. No, I don't well, think it was. I think that's. It it was, I, don't, I, don't, I disagree with that. Yeah, it's, I, we, it's we, 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 listen. We've given both sides. We've given both sides. People mm-hmm. can people can make their own opinions. Uh, let's let's but let's move on to the match. Let's move on to the match itself. Um, you bet, let's start with Juventus' performance first, and then we'll move on to Inter. Because I'm sure you've got plenty to say on that as well. Um, <laughs> we'll start off with we we'll start off with Juventus. I I thought I'll give you my opinion. I thought as the away side, they were they were very comfortable throughout. Um, it's everybody knows my opinion. It's it's not my kind of football. Playing thirty percent possession, I, I don't like to see it. But if we look at the substance of this game, the chances created. You know, Inter didn't create a single clear chance in the whole game. Well, they did. The nearest, they, the nearest they had, yeah, the nearest they had to a clear chance was that was that incident. But I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't say that's clear cut. Um, you know, at most it's a good chance, um, and they they never really looked like creating much much at all. The the entire game, Juventus were were never really flustered. They were the team really when Juventus attacked that looked the more dangerous. They didn't create many clear cut chances their own, apart from you know when they scored. Um, but you know they wasted a lot of openings where they they should have created clear chances to double their lead. But you know they messed up the final pass or or you know. So I thought that they were they were comfortable. The defense was solid. I thought uh, Bremer and Danilo were really excellent again. Both were in really good form. I thought Gatti was was surprisingly very good as he was against Freiburg as well. He showed good character. He put his body on the line. Um, the midfield was was solid defensively. I think Locatelli has been much better recently in that in that sense. Um, but we have to, yeah, we have to single out Kostic. Um, he's been um, he's been a fantastic signing. 
11 assists this season. He's now got three goals in Serie A. You know, his his output and his his numbers, you know, speak for themselves. And so does his record against Inter. He scored the winner here and he assisted both goals in the, in the first game. So, yeah, I think it was a, you know, it was a good performance from, from Juventus. You, 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 you know, they, they put in the... the it was the, a very the, good the, performance by Juve. Yeah. It was, they were solid. Allegri was an Allegri tactical masterclass. Every player on that pitch knew exactly what they were doing. They were so well organized, so well balanced. They knew exactly when to do what and why and how. Um, they knew that they, they knew that Inter were, would struggle down the right-hand side. And if you look at the build-up before the goal as well, and we're going to get to Inter as well, they're them being all over the place defensively. But they, that, that, was a, that was a scammy. That wasn't just, you know, discard the handball and all that. That was an actual move. There was thought behind that. They, they'd worked on that move. Um, and and this is what Allegri does when, he's, when, when he delivers. He, he doesn't turn up to big games not prepared. He always does. It's always his career. Even if the results have been crap uh, in big games away and at home these past few 18 months, Juventus come with a match plan. They don't turn up unprepared. Um, and he this time it all came to, came together. But to be honest, this was not... Uh, a draw, in my opinion, was would have been the most... Based on how things looked, was the most... Because Juve didn't exactly create a lot either. Um, but overall, it was a stable performance. They got the goal <clears throat> and they closed up shop. Um, but moving forward, although Juventus didn't create anything, uh, they did feel more dangerous. It felt like we could have st- that game could have gone on for four weeks, and Inter would still not score a goal. Yeah, like that. That's how it felt uh, watching it. Um, yeah. And I know the goal. The goal obviously conditioned the perform the the, the rest of the game in the sense that conditioned in the it. it conditioned it in the sense that Juventus were able to um, to you know defend and. Hit on the counter. No, it decides um, and- the, the complexity completely changes the projection of the game after that. Because but- if it's a goalless, then Juventus have to play differently. They have to approach it differently. So yeah. there's no going getting away from that. But, but having but, said but- that, you can't deny that Juve were very, very comfortable and solid defensively. Very, yeah. very. Comfortable. They were, and and I think that you know because people always have a go at me, um, you know, for not giving Allegri credit when he deserves credit. You know, I will say that in the last month or so. Even though, and I will repeat, this is not my kind of football. I don't like seeing this kind of football. Thirty percent possession is horrible, um, but but um, there is more substance from Juventus in the last month or two that we didn't see in the previous eighteen months. In the sense that you watch Juventus play, and even though they're not having much possession, they are creating more chances than the opposition. They look comfortable when defending. They don't look like conceding chances when they go forward. They don't necessarily. They still don't really create much, but they look more dangerous on the whole, on the total of the game. If you sum up the whole game, they look more dangerous than the opposition. That is happening now quite regularly with Juventus games in the last couple of months. Even in the Roma game that Juventus lost, for me, they were the better team in that game. They they were the more dangerous team. They created the more chances. They looked more dangerous um, in that game. Um, they lost it. They were un- I thought they were unlucky to lose that game, and I-, I don't think they played amazingly well in that game. They didn't create loads of chances, but you know we're seeing more and more of that, more substance from Juventus in the last two months. Whereas that wasn't the case, I think, certainly in the first eighteen months of Allegri. Even when they went on that long winning run of when they won all those one nil wins, mm. uh, 
they were they got lucky in a lot of those games, like the Cremonese game, where they didn't have a shot shot the whole game and took a <laughs> 91st minute free kick from a goalkeeping error. You know, there was those that was how they were winning those games. Whereas now yeah. you can definitely see that it's there's definitely more of a there's more method to the to the to the madness, if it if you know <laughs> we describe it like that. There's more method to it. Whereas before it was all disjointed and it was bad to watch but it was also disjointed that now you can see the method uh, and there's more substance so I have to give Allegri credit to that they finally won a big game away from home under Allegri their, they record, did, against, they did. their record against big teams has been horrendous as we, we, we've spoken about a lot on this pod um, and you know they, they have a lot of big games still to still coming up Lazio away they've got Napoli coming up um, you know, so top four, I think like, there's still a lot to do, to be honest with the top four. There's still seven points off the top four. But, and I think they probably still realistically need those 15 points back if they're going to finish in the top four. But, you know, who knows? Milan play Napoli next. <laughs> so, you know, they could be even closer to Milan. They probably will be closer to Milan after that next well, they game. Probably Milan will. They probably will. Obviously, Roma probably are still will. six points. Roma are still six points ahead still too. So it's not just Milan. But, you know, they've, 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 they've yeah, it was good. The other, the other point I wanted to make is Juventus look fresher than Inter. Uh, we're going to come to Inter, and that's the point I want to make on that. But they look fresher than Inter, despite having two days less rest. Uh, well, they spent had, less energy against Freiburg than Inter did against Porto. I that's, mean, that's, yeah, for sure. That, that's true. That's that's true. But still, two, it's still two days. Still two days. Uh, you know, extra rest. I mean, it's um, it's. I think this is where I when I said this last week. You have to give credit to Allegri that he is very. This is one thing that he is a master at, uh, and I will always say this: uh, managing the squad and the energy levels. He he will always do that. He will get his teams at this point of the season fresher than a lot of teams, certainly than Inter were in this game. Um, the no, Inter were spent. Inter were completely yeah. and utterly spent against uh, <clears throat> Porto. after Porto. Yeah, they were completely dead. There was nothing there. There was no energy. There was absolutely nothing there. Um, and 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 you know we saw was without Skriniar, without Bastoni. You know it it, it was all. I, I if you remember, I think I even said last week. I think Juve win that game. Um, uh, because I felt Juve were in a better position generally, energy wise, and <clears throat> and also because Inter were drained. But um, it's no excuse. It's no excuse whatsoever for that performance. It was mm. unwatchable. They were genuinely unwatchable. Um, they didn't create anything. It was just cross after cross after cross and hope for the best. No lines, no movement, no coherence. I don't know. You want to talk about individuals? Marcelo Brozovic, Lautaro Martinez, Romelu Lukaku were woeful woeful um lautaro martinez is supposedly a leader of the squad what is he leading what is he leader of um it was it, it was the, your 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 players your senators are the ones you look to to lead you when it's going badly and he's he's pulling stinker after stinker after stinker um romelu lukaku as i've said numerous times I, he's finished at this level he'll score the odd goal here or there but he's finished at this level the very in which makes this notion of taking him over paulo dybala even more infuriating because it, what a wrong decision it, it was especially when you take into consideration how lautaro and lukaku don't look to be gelling at all because lautaro's the main man not lukaku 
and Lukaku needs to be the main man to feel good, and Lautaro is obviously not able to fill the shoes of being the main man. So it's just wrong decision there as well. Bad management. Um, Nicolo Barella was probably the Inter's best player on the night. Uh, Marcelo Brozovic was dreadful. Um, the goal was partly because of him and Barella. Mis- I mean, when him and Barella, his BFF, they, he, they misunderstand each other in the positioning. They go walk about the midfield. You could drive a tank through it. Um, again, he's, 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 he's just, he just looks completely disinterested. He looks like he's, he's part, he looks tired. He looks, he looks too old. He, no, nah, it's, it's every single one of them. And I haven't even gotten to Denzel Dumfries yet, which is, what are we even talking about here? Seriously. How is this man a professional football player? What what kind of positioning, are, what kind of decision-making are we talking about here when you decide to block the view of your goalkeeper backing, five, backing down five, 10 meters? So if, if it even hits a rebound, he plays the guy on side. He is footballing-wise. He has he has no footballing IQ whatsoever. Footballing-wise, Denzel Dumfries is brain-dead, completely brain-dead. Technically, we know he's limited, to put it diplomatically. Inter want 50 million for this guy? You'd be lucky if someone pays you five, ten. It's, it's, an, it's, it's an absolute disgrace what he is doing week in, week out at Inter. It's it's just he's a complete liability. Inter are playing with ten men, and when you play a three five two or or a three four two one, the wing backs are the most important, probably the most important position. You have to have wing back wing backs that work. Inter went from Inter have Denzel Dumfries, and he's woeful, absolutely woeful. He can't cross. He can't beat his man. He can't pass. He his positioning is pathetic. His technique is a joke. I mean, this is absolutely shambolic. Yeah, what what he did for the goal was was I just I couldn't believe it. What I saw, like he he backtracked instead of going out to the ball, but he placed positioned himself right in the line of the, the eyesight of um, Onana, who seemed to already be struggling with his eyesight before before that. Not let alone having Dumfries standing in front of him, and 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 yeah, that completely blindsided and. Onana. Yes, his position. I agree with those who say that Onana's positioning is a little bit wrong. I think he's a little bit to the left as well. Absolutely. Yeah. But Denzel that point Dumfries, I was going to make. Yeah, he was too close yeah, to his no, post. I agree with that. But yeah, he wouldn't have saved it anyway because because the ball came through Damian's legs, and as soon as you yeah. shoot through a player's legs, the goalkeeper never saves it. Yeah. Very hard. No, but look, it's 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 all of that. But Simon Inzaghi, you know, I he's not making life easy for himself. Why did you take off Barella? and not Brozovic. I understand the reasoning, well, you want Brozovic to be, you know, 90 minutes, you want him to get into match fitness and blah, 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 blah. But on that, when the game looks like it does, you have to focus on winning the game or salvaging the game. Screw every other overarching objective. Deliver the result on the day. And the decision to take Barella off, to put on Mkhitaryan was stupid. It was wrong. It was stupid. And then he takes off Lukaku and play, puts on Correa and plays some sort of a weird 4-3-1-2 that Inter don't know how to handle. No lines, no, nah, it was, it, no, no plan, nothing. It was literally crosses and inshallah. That's all it was. And it's, mm. 
18 months into the into the project with you in charge, this is not good enough. And nine defeats, a third of your games in the Serie A you have lost. That's completely unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. Yeah. And to me, there is no doubt in my mind that he's gone in the summer. This, this is unacceptable mm. at Inter because they're probably going to lose one or two more games too. I don't see them beating Napoli away, even if Napoli are clear champions by then. I just don't see that happening. Um, his only grace, if he wants to keep his job, is if he wins the Champions League, which I think is impossible, to be honest. I don't see the, how this team go. If they go past Benfica, it's a, it's, it's a small miracle because, again, I don't think this team is good enough and it's shown that it's not good, good enough. There are very good players on it individually, but the key players keep letting you down time and time again or are not mm. good enough. It's just... And I have to say, the, at, at the end, the most disgraceful thing tonight on that night was not even the handball, the scandal concerning the handball. It was that Beppe Marotta did not come out and speak before or after the game after this. They send out Simone Inzaghi. That's woefully pathetic. That's woefully cowardly. Coward. That's woeful cowardice. They send this guy out because they know that he's a dead man walking and they don't want to be, they want to wash their hands clean of it. Well done. What a message to send to the squad for the rest of the season where you don't even go out and defend the club, the coach, anything, that anything. Just go out there and say, this is this is unacceptable, these decisions or anything. No, you send Inzaghi out. Nothing from any of you because you know, because you don't want to, you don't want to dirty your hands because you're protecting yourselves. It's pathetic. And it puts all of Inter's, the remainder of Inter's season at risk here. Even until, because Inter still have to finish in the top four. They actually have a viable route to the final of the Champions League. But in order to do that, you need to have a club and an organization and a management that looks, at least pretends that it exists and is strong. Inter don't have that. Steven Zhang right. and Beppe Marotta come out talking when, when Inter do well. Congratulations. Easy to talk then. It's easy to talk mm. when you're winning. It's pathetic, absolutely yeah. pathetic. I mean, the only thing I would add to all this is just is it, it, just expanding on my point before about Juventus looking fresher than 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 Inter, and this is something that I said on Thursday, um, and that, as I said after the Inter beat in Porto, that this was one of my concerns about Inter, for, you know, between now and the end of the season, just how tired Inter look, and they were absolutely exhausted in those last 10 minutes and then into injury time against Porto. They were out on their feet. Players were get, all getting cramped. Players getting injured. Um, we saw that Porto, there's no it's no coincidence that Porto can, created their three big chances in, in, in injury time, injury in, time. In, in that game. And I said it. I said it on Thursday. Um, you know, I said, I'm worried about how tired uh, Inter look. And you you responded uh, and, and you said that, that, that there's a reason there's a simple reason why that is, which I think is is only partly true, but is definitely true. Um, which is, well, look at the age of Inter's squad. They're the you oldest know, they squad are, in the city. Yeah, yeah there's one of 30. the oldest squad. Yeah, yeah, average like age of thirty point eight, thirty point seven. Yeah, yeah, something like it's, that. So, I mean, that that does play. That does definitely does play a role. And, and you know, they were very flat, very lacking in energy in this game, and they had two days extra rest than Juventus. And yes, you're right. It was a much tougher game, the Porto game. Juventus against Freiburg, Freiburg was, was was a lot easier. But still, they had two days extra rest. They still played 90 minutes and they had two days extra rest. So, you know, they shouldn't really be have that as an excuse. The uh, when they, and they had, and they had five days. 
They had five days they, rest as well. Yeah, they it wasn't did. Four. No, no, they did. It was three. Mm. You meant to have three days, you know. So, mm. it's. I think. No, look, I it's think the only saving grace, the only positive of that night was Belanova. I don't want to see Denzel Dumfries play put a, put an into shirt on ever again as a starter. I don't ever mm. want to see that again. Can um, I can I just expand though on the tiredness point though, Nima? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I want to ask you, because this is now, I was looking at this, Inter have now lost four of their last seven games after Champions League matches, which definitely tells a story, again, to do with this tiredness thing, that what once once they play and they have a tough, because in matches in the Champions League are a lot more exerting than they are in Serie A, the tempo is higher, the matches are tougher, you might have to travel away from home in Europe as they did in this game and in other games as well, you know, and I just, I don't know, like I added with the age, can can Inter handle playing twice a week now? You know, is they got the Antonio Conte uh, uh, itis of not being able to play, you know, more than once a week? I, I don't know, but this is a concern. Look, it's it's a combination of everything. Yeah, so do I, and I think we're. I, I I fear that we might see a free fall, a complete collapse over the next few months, um, because this uh, that, that mentally. That it's it's every all of the above. It's it's everything I described last week as well. You have what is it, ten, twelve players who're not even sure they're going to be at the club, whether their contract exp- expiring mm. this year or if they have a club, if they have a contract beyond that, they know that the club might sell them at any point. You know, um, it's it's all of that. It's it's Inzaghi who is not. This is something he needs to work on. Like I said last week, he's not assertive enough. He's not angry enough. He's not passionate he doesn't have the he doesn't seem to be able to have that fire um that Conte has or Conte has a little bit maybe too much of but uh, there's none of that and he needs to 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 develop that if he wants to become that top manager that I think tactically and footballing wise I think he's got everything um but again we're talking of passion talking of passion we have to move on now because we've, yeah. we've been 41 minutes talking about the derby <laughs> this earlier uh, we let's talk about the Rome derby um which Mad. was a, a which was was a bad game, but it was very very passionate game, um, very very <laughs> ill tempered game, um, which Lazio won one um, nil thanks to Matteo Zaccagni's winner. They do the double over Roma for the first time this season. The 11, 12, no, well, it's the first time they've done it since the two thousand twelve season. Yeah, that's 11, correct. That's correct. Yeah, I mean. We have to start, let's start talking about Roma first and then we'll move on to Lazio because this game, again, was conditioned completely by a moment of absolute madness from from Ibanez, who you're never, you've never been a big fans, fan of uh, anyway. But Jeez. can I just say one thing? Can I just say one thing? <laughs> Iba, Rafael, Iba, I always call him Rafael Ibanez. Why do I always call I him know, Rafael he's, Ibanez? He's, he's, he's a Roger. He is a Roger. Roger. If there ever was a Roger, he is it. Rafa, Rafael Ibanez. Like Rafael like Ibanez was a rugby player, right? Roger yeah. Ibanez. Um, yeah, he is the worst player in the history of the Rome Derby. There is no doubt about that. <laughs> Zero doubt about that. Every single Derby he plays, he costs he costs Roma the Derby. He, the last mm-hmm. two, the two Derbies in previous seasons, he gave away the most comical comical goals. He gave away, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and now on this game, and now on this game, he gets sent off for two yellows after thir- thirty two minutes. I mean, that that's this is but this is Rod- look. Here's the problem with 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 having. Gianluca Mancini has the impulse and emotional restraint of Charles Manson, and Roger Ibanez is brain dead. He's a, he's stupid. When it, whenever it's it it gets a tough game or a or a big game, and it really the pressure gets to him, and he does these 
asinine things. And this is why I don't believe in either one of them. Uh, and I don't think they're good enough to be at, Ro- at a Roma with Champions League top four ambitions. I think what well, fifth is where, where you can ask of them. Yes, you can ask, you can say, well, they've spent more, but it's not just about spending. It's about how you spend. These two are the starters and they're not good enough. They're evidently not good enough, at least not consistently in a league. And we've seen this. How many times do we have to beat this dead horse? How many times do we have to see Roger Ibanez gift away important goals in, 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 in tight situations, whether it's the derby or whatever it is? How many times do we have to do this? How many times did Gianluca Mancini has to lose his mind and get himself sent off? I mean, it's, it's, it happens time and time and time again. Mm. And that brings two. us on nicely to the, the root, the root of the, co- the root of the problem here, and that is um, Roma's lack of discipline. Something that we've mm-hmm. spoken about in the last few weeks. That you know, last week it was Kumbula against Sassuolo that cost them the game. This week it was Ibanez. The week before that it was Mourinho against Cremonese. So Mourinho missed this game. Uh, a member of the coaching staff got sent off last week. Another one got sent <laughs> off this week against Lazio as well. I mean, this is what I was saying last week after the Sassuolo game. Mourinho caused all this you know he, he's created this environment where nobody can control themselves you know Cristante was also sent off after the the final whistle of this together with with Marisic I mean they're going to be absolutely decimated in defense in the in, in the next game um, Ibanez suspended Mancini suspended he got a yellow card and he was lucky he wasn't sent off as well in this game uh, Kumbula is is I think will still be out as well because it was a um, violent conduct wasn't it the, last week so yeah. oh, I mean they, they, minimum two games yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this lack of discipline is costing Roma, completely costing them at the moment. No, look, it's, there's, no, there's nothing more to add to that. I really have nothing more to add yeah. to that. And I think it's a shame because I think now it's, it's I, 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 for me, I, I honestly thought Roma were going to finish in the top four. I thought Mourinho was, was going to, that they'd, they'd turned a corner, but evidently they haven't. All their eggs are now in the Europa League basket. And I think that's where, the, I think we're going to see a Roma. It's still only that, one point off the top four, somehow. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah, but that's but because then again, the rest then, then it depends with Juventus. If Juventus get those 15 yeah. points back. Yeah. No, I, I think, no, I, 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 I think on. Roma, yeah, I think Roma are drifting out now. I think all their eggs are in the Europa League basket. And, and to be honest, that's probably the right thing to do because Lazio, They've done the opposite. They sacrificed Europe mm. completely to to go after the Champions League, and so far, la- that's paying off for them. Well, let's come on are- to that, sir. Then let's come on to that, sir, because Mourinho was criticising that um, before the game, wasn't he, about Lazio second off the Europa League? But I mean, I guess it did pay off. I, I mean, I don't really know whether I should give the credit to Lazio for Tassari for, Ro- for Lazio winning this game, because in all honesty, like I said. Roma were really barely troubled until the goal. I think they had yeah. one chance just before they scored the goal where yeah. uh, Rui Patricio came out from, I think it was Felipe Anderson. And that was it. They didn't create anything else. I mean, I thought Roma were defending really pretty comfortably, they pretty were. well. Smalling was fantastic again. I thought again. even Mancini was doing quite well until the goal. They scored in his right mm-hmm. channel. Um, you know, I thought they were pretty comfortable. I don't think Lazio played very well in this game. I think they they just, they got their moment. They scored. Um, so I guess, you know, end of the day, it, it did pay off. Um, and I'm sure it will help them for the rest of the season. But you know, if you tell, if you say to me, who do you have to, who would you pick out from Lazio in this game that was outstanding? I mean, I wouldn't really. I don't think there's many you can pick out other than. No, well, that's Zacanio. isn't that their strength Zacanio. though? Isn't, yeah, but isn't that their strength though? That he's made them into a team, Sarri. Yeah, that they're all yeah, kind of sure. one cohesive unit. And I think we really. This is again something that. 
But I don't I, think this was a great team performance. I don't think they were really. I don't think they played particularly well in this game. I think they were quite flat, actually. But you know, they got the win. Um, yeah, but they, but that's now. true. But th- that's true. But at the end of the day, I think Lazio he 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 positioned them to play like this. Like again, Sarri has become the pragmatic ideologue, and I keep hammering this point because it's true. This season, I've never seen Sarri do this. It's like he's undergone some sort of metamorphosis last summer, and he's realized that here he can't be just, he has to coach and adapt every game. And if he were to finish in the top four, then that's a fantastic achievement by Sarri. There's no doubt about that. And I think, again, he's throwing his hat in the ring for a bigger job. Um, Mm. No doubt. But to go to uh, to this game again, I think the fact that he had them so well positioned uh, against uh, Roma, and then they were okay then after that to not attack too much because they had the goal. And Zakani's individual performance is what what really wins it, um, this game. And it's a tight game. And look, it's, uh, you know, Lazio, Sarri teams can retain possession forever. So... That's the problem when you go a goal down to them and you're chasing because uh, then you have to move forward, but then you open yourself to, to counterattacks. But Roma didn't really do that. They were almost like guarding the 1-0 and hoping for set pieces to, to get the equalizer, which they got, but then correctly was disallowed for offside. But it's... Uh, no, credit to credit to no, credit. Zakani. Let's talk, let's talk about Zakani then because he scores the winner and is he getting enough credit and love that he deserves because he's the highest Italian scorer mm. in the major European leagues. Now, granted, <laughs> that's not that hard this season. That's how bad <laughs> Italian attackers have been. I mean, he's got nine goals this season and that makes yeah. him the highest Italian scorer in the major uh, European leagues. Um, so, you know, it's it's that it's quite damning and we've seen that I with the Italian national need team. To, I've always rated but, him. I really liked him at Hellas as well. I think we have to give him the respect he deserves. I think it's yeah. a little bit like... Okay, he's not he's not a YouTube compilation player, but he he does get points. Uh, you know, he wins points, he scores goals, he makes assists, and you have to respect that. And 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 when you have a team like Lazio who are in the they're second in the Serie A after twenty seven match days, that's fantastic. That is nothing mm. short of fantastic, and you have to respect that, and you should praise that. And I think I, I know you know we. We discuss this more. Uh, we'll discuss this more deeply in the Q and A pod on tomorrow because we've got a question from one of our patrons on that. Uh, so make sure to check that out. But I honestly think that he is, you know, whatever it is that the problem they have with him, they need to resolve it. Mancini needs to get over it. It's his job to to get the best out of the players available to him. He's a national team coach. It's not club football. And when Zakani is doing these points. He should be ahead of Orsolini. He should be ahead of, ahead of lots of players. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen. He's he's a player that that is is his is talented. He's technically very talented. Yeah. He's, he can beat his man. He's got pace. He's got dribbling. He can go outside and inside. Uh, he is a goal threat. Uh, he's got, like I said, nine goals this season. But he also has four assists. Um, but I think that you know there definitely is a debate, and we'll see because it looks like Chiesa will probably be pulling out of the Italy squad for the, the England game, uh, which means that Mancini will have to probably, you assume, will call up someone else in his place. So it's possible that he could still get a call up. Um, but, you know, I think there definitely is a debate to be had that, you know, does he deserve an Italy call? I mean, he he is. And, you know, as we said, 
this is has been an absolute crisis for Italian attackers this season uh, in particular. I mean, everyone is performing badly, is injured, is not playing for their clubs, is out of form. I mean, who's in form out of the Italian forwards right now? I mean, everyone, almost everyone's out of form. Nyonso, maybe, for Leeds, and even he's had a bit of a dip over the last, last month. Um, everybody else, I mean, the, the, everybody's out there of form isn't right now. Else. There's no one. I mean, Zaccani probably is the most, has probably been the most consistent uh, Italian forward in Europe, in Europe's big leagues this year. He, he probably, I don't think, he probably almost certainly has been. Who has been more consistent than him um, this season? So, that. yeah. So, I mean, for that reason, you're probably saying, yeah, maybe he, he maybe he does deserve a call-up. Um, but I think that, obviously, Mancini... There are issues there between him and Mancini. He, he, you know, the the Zaniolo beef that he has with Zaniolo. Um, Mancini sided with Zaniolo before, but also more so, um, Zaccani got called up last year for a Nations League game, and and he pulled out at the end of the season, um, apparently with an injury um, that wasn't believed by Mancini and the the coaching staff. They feel that he basically made that up in order to get extra holiday, and that really that really upset and angered. Mancini and I don't think he's forgiven him for it um so I think that is probably <clears throat> yeah he's got that against him uh, as well yeah but Mancini needs to get over it like this is it's not what I mean it's not like what has he done I mean what it was a, the Zaniolo and him okay they're both a little bit like you know tr- you know trailer trash bimbo, yeah, bimbo, <laughs> yeah bimbo minchia as they say, like, but it's but whatever they're both they're both trailer trash fine but at the end of the day <laughs> your job is you, it's it's not a social club it's a it's a team and it's to deliver results and unless he's disrupting in the most controversial way then you know find a way to reintegrate him and, and get the best out of him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sick. he should get that stupid tattoo on his neck removed. Then he might get oh a call up. God. Here we go again with the neck tattoos. Non, non. The Why? Why do people get tattoos? Hour with your local friendly fam neighborhood nonno Carlo Garganese. What's wrong why with the young people, today? Why do people? Why do people get tattoos on the neck? Why? Why? I don't it's like just, him either. Just, but I'm not. It just looks adverse. so ridiculous. He's just like. Edison I don't like it from either. Manchester City. Yeah. Edison from Manchester City. Marcelo Brozovic tattoo. has the bomb emoji tattooed on his neck. Like, what are we? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, a small tattoo on the neck, I can just about accept. But those stupid big <laughs> tattoos, like like Edison has. I mean, he's already. You look at him. He's not an oil painting already to look at. And then he has that stupid. He looks like Jaws out of out of James Bond movie. And then he gets that stupid neck tattoo, the, the most disgusting tattoo ever. I mean, what are you doing? Oh, I mean, here we go. Anyway, oh, I've gone off on one. Let's talk yes, about. Um, <laughs> let's go talk about Torino Napoli. Well done to Lazio. Uh, let's talk about yeah, Torino Napoli. Big congratulations, uh, not much- to Napoli. Uh, sorry to Lazio. I just want to say I think they're finishing in the top four now. Honestly. Hmm. I really think yeah, so. Yeah, I, 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 I lean in that way as well. And they've opened themselves up a, a gap now, five-point gap yeah. on the, on Roma in fifth uh, and four points on Milan, who, as I said before, Milan play Napoli in the next game. So that can become seven, potentially, um, mm. which is a lot with only what will only be, what, 10 games left, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Lazio play Monza next, so they, they could potentially extend. And more importantly, they're out of Europe, whereas everyone else is in Europe and we've seen. Yeah. No, I think I think seen. they're going to finish in top four. I think one of, mm. I think if Juve get their points back, one of Inter and Milan need to watch out. Because Lazio, yeah. I think, are a shooting. I really do. If Juventus do get their points back, Nima, because I know you keep saying that, you know, and I, and I agree with you that it's very likely that they'll get points deducted 
for the for the wages yeah. thing. But, but how will much? it happen this season? Will it will it happen well, this season? I'm not, seeing, I'm not seeing much set being talked no. about this at the moment. No, I'm not seeing much about that either. It could be that they start next season with minus points. It could be. Yeah. Could because it's well April be. the nineteenth, April the twentieth is the, the, the appeal date for the for the fifteen points. But I mean, we're yeah. running out of time now. There's not long left in the rest of the season. Yeah, they need so. to, they need to yeah, they absolutely do. I mean, it, it we'll have to wait and see. I mean I think Juve will get those points back, and I think Lazio finish in the top four. I think one of the way things are going with Inter and Milan, they should be worried. They should really be worried. Mm. Both clubs mm. should be worried. Let's talk about Milan first, then, and then we'll talk about Napoli. Seeing as you've you've yeah. brought that in, that's a nice a nice segue there. So um, Milan lose again. The revival is definitely over now. In fact, you could even say the cri- the crisis or the mini crisis is back. Um, so Milan lose to Udinese. What did it finish? Was it three one in the end? Yeah. 3-1? Yeah. 3-1, yeah. It was 3-1. Yeah. It was 3-1. Yeah, so much going on, I can't even, I can't even remember mm. what the score was. No, it's It was a terrible performance for Milan. No, I mean, it's, it's, that's the thing. This game, I mean, Udinese's last home win in the Serie A was against Inter, 3-1 in September. Um, they're only, you know, and, and, and they, this, these two games are mirrors of each other. That game, they beat Inter 3-1, and this game, they beat Milan 3-1. It was two away teams that were absolutely poor, awful that lacked energy that lacked bite hunger they weren't concentrated they weren't focused against the sotil team that was so well organized and you know you have to be switched on because sotil that's an interesting you know watch out for him he's there's a really interesting coach coaching career developing there going to be really interesting to see what happens to him moving forward um and milan were just poor both as a team individually um and again, you know, playing by, or as one of our patrons calls him, Fodo Ballondore, as a left wing back. Um, I mean, it says it all, doesn't it? And and mm. and not just that. It's for me, as I said a few weeks ago, I, I when they were going through that patch four nil, four one nil wins and not conceding, uh, and I said I think the quest for me the test comes when they take away Krunic and integrate Benasser, how that holds up defensively. And I think we know the answer to that now. This back three cannot needs one man in front of them to help them defend, because otherwise they're, they're exposed, uh, whether it's whoever that is. And it just happens to be at Milan that it's Krunic, uh, because Benasser and Tonali together can't seem to, to balance that. And Milan get overrun in midfield, which was the very reason they, they changed to this formation from, uh, <laughs> from the 4-2-3-1 to begin with. So I, I really think that regardless of if it's a 4-2-3-1 or if, a four, or, or if they go to a back four or continue with a back three, they need three men in midfield. They have to have Krunic in front of that defense, no matter if it's four or three. Honestly, think that. I think that's the only way. Yeah, for me, yeah I think so too. Hmm. I, I think so too. I think that you know, um, Milan moved from a, from a back four to a back three purely because that, you know, they were leaking so many goals and they wanted yeah. to try and become a little bit more concrete, a little bit more solid and build on that as their foundation, you know, but you know, they had that run of four clean sheets and we were all talking about, yeah, this back three is looking great. Uh, you know, they're looking solid, but they've now conceded six in their last three Serie A games, you know, so that concrete Milan has, you know, has disappeared. Um, and actually in 2023, there's only two teams, um, that have let in more goals than Milan in 2023. Cremonese is one, the other team, I've, 
I've forgotten who it was. Uh, I think it was, might have been Verona, maybe. Um, or, or, or no, I think it's Salernitana. It's Cremonese and Salernitana, the only two teams in Serie A that have, have conceded more goals in Milan in 2023. Um, so, you know, that defensive solidity has, has completely gone. Um, and, you know, four, four games now without a win. Uh, in all competitions, one point from their last three Serie A games. I mean, why should they stick with this back three? It's clearly, it's clearly the the, the little mini, uh, uh, you know, jolt that it gave Milan is 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 gone now. You know, and no, it's completely and, gone. Um, yeah. And and they need to watch out because they can miss the top four. Mm. They can miss the top four. They can really yeah. do. I mean, they, which would be a disaster. Um, <clears throat> I think purely, I think what the thing is, they overperformed a little bit last year. And I think a lot of people's raised their expectations a little bit too soon. And I think Milan, we're seeing them kind of maybe perform a little bit on par with the quality they actually have on the pitch. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't think that the, the team is bad. I think they, I mean, it's a young project. I, I still think we're a few, one or two seasons away from Milan really peaking. Um, but having said that, um, they can't afford to miss top four. They have to find a way through this. And I, and I still maintain that. If you're going to play, I think a three-man midfield, whether it's a three-five-two or or four-three-three, that's the way forward. Personally, I think the natural progression is a Sarri four-three-three, but even if it's not, and it's Antonio Conte's three-five-two, it's a three, it's a it's a, it's a three-man midfield. It really, really is. I think that's where it is. I think that's. Mm, I agree. I, I said that from day one. I said that from day one. Mm. Even when they went to a back three, I said I, I wasn't convinced by it. it it kind of worked for a while, but it's clearly not working again now. And you know they 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 completely destroyed their attacking uh, qualities by going to this back three as well. And that leads us on nicely to um, to Rafael Leal. And yeah, um, I'm glad. How do we, Milan? Is... How do Milan solve this Rafael problem? Now I want to ignore about what's going to happen from the summer onwards because we've spoken about that. You know. How do Milan solve this problem now, between now and the end of the season? Get Rafael back to playing at his best. Get Rafael to, to, to make sure that they finish in the top four, which is now going to be a battle. Give them a chance of, of you know, against Napoli in the Champions League, of, of, of you know, of, 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 of making that a tie. I mean, he's now gone 11 games without a goal, with just one assist right now. I mean, his form, his whole demeanour, his attitude... He'd look so unhappy. I mean, what 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 do Milan, what can Milan do? What I would out? do is, I, w- I would play him in a three-five-two as a, one of the strikers next to Giroud, and and because he wants to play centrally, that's what he wants to do, and I think that would be a correct. You know, that's that's the natural progression for him, but I don't think he can he can play. He he shouldn't be too isolated. Uh, he should be cutting in from the left, but he should be uh, with Giroud's ability to hold up the ball. Then yes. I think they need to play a three-five-two with him, uh, and with Teo, of course, coming back and Junior Messias or whatever, and, and and more runs from midfield from Tonali, or if you want to play even Brian Diaz a bit deeper, I don't know. But regardless, I think until the end of the season, they should play him as one of the two in a three-five-two. I really think that because this three-four-two-one is not working for Milan defensively, and he's offering absolutely nothing uh, himself. So maybe. If he's if they can afford to give him a little bit more creative freedom and have the others around him to get the most out of him, maybe that's the way to go. 
That's yeah, what I, think. I think definitely they should go back to a back four. Uh, I would go back to kind of what he knows rather than testing him in a new formation, personally. Um, no more experimenting, no more changes at this stage. I would I would probably go back to a 4 2 one or, or ideally, as I've said so many times, go to a 4-3-3, which is not really that dissimilar to a 4-2-3-1 no. for many players. For most players, it will be quite similar. Um, it's only the odd player here and there will have to change some, you know, some of their functions. But you know, for Liao, put him on the left wing, uh, put him back to where he was before, and and yeah, let's. I mean, it's it's not working. It, it's not working um, at all. Moving in forward, for him. Moving forward, I think it's. I think the best thing for him and Milan is to part ways in the summer, because mm. this, that's money that Milan can spend elsewhere. And the money he's asking Milan for is he's not worth it. He's he's just not worth it. And I think maybe it's this is the end of the line here. If he wants to develop, he needs to you know, for, for everybody, so that Milan have some money to spend as well next summer. I think that would be the the best way forward. <clears throat> for both Milan and him, honestly. Because this is not tenable. Honestly, yeah, and Zlatan, Zlatan said it in the game. He doesn't seem happy, but we are doing everything for him. He has to come back to make a difference. So, I mean, I, the teammates are acknowledging that, that he's not happy. Uh, and Milan no. need him badly because there's no one else in attack that's providing a goal threat uh, except no. for Giroud. Uh, no. I mean, Zlatan scored, and we have to give a shout-out to Zlatan because it's kind, of been, it's kind of been forgotten among everything that's been going on this weekend that Zlatan has become the oldest goal scorer in Serie A history. Um, 41 years and 166 days, overtaking Billy Costa-Curta, who was at 41 years and 25 days in May 2007. So, also, I mean, against Vanessa, also, also against Udinese. Also against Udinese, that goal. Yeah, Costa yeah. Curta and... Also in a defeat to Udinese. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's historical. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, there's a lot more we could debate about that. The penalty. Was it a penalty? Should it be encroachment? I mean, I mean there's, there's so much. But, but, if that's but a handball, I don't want to go there because we, I, mean, I don't, don't want to go there because we, we're way over. But, you know, well done to Zlatan. Um, <laughs> sorry to shut you off there, Nima. But, mm. but yeah, um, let's let's move on to Napoli, though, um, now. Um, the Ossiman and, and Cavada show again. Ossiman, 21 goals in the Serie A so far this season, equaling Samuel Leto's record for the most prolific African player to score, the most goals an African player scored in one Serie A season, 21. So he's equaled that with about 11 games left to spare. So the question is, will he reach 30? That's where I am with this. Um, mm. He scored eight headed goals. Like we said, is he the best header of the ball in the, in the world right now? He's 25 goals yes. in all season. I mean, in, in all competitions. Nah, look, it's it's getting completely insane now. It's it's just they and Ivan Juric is teams are difficult to play against, especially away, and they go there and just completely rinse them, rip them a new one. And and you could tell. I mean, I don't know if you saw Juric's uh, statements before the game, how complimentary he was of Spalletti, mm. saying he's a real coach. Um, he said saying, he steals you know, his but, ideas. <laughs> yeah, he admitted it's like I, I learned from him, and that's I, I understand why he said that because you can learn from from Spalletti. You really can. Um, you know, he's he's been. You know, I don't want to repeat what we said, but he's been uh, so you know always the bridesmaid, never the bride kind of coach. Uh, and but he he is a top coach. He's always been a top coach. I personally think that. It's also him being at his best. I've never seen Spalletti on top of things as much as he is today. 
off the pitch, on the pitch, tactically, in post-match uh, comments, in statements, how he controls this, the dressing room, the the group. This is Spalletti. He's never been better. This is him at his peak. Um, and we saw again, you know, they are they are just unbelievable. And the question is, I think, and this is my point, you know, I think in terms of quality overall, Mourinho's treble winners, uh, Juventus in 16-17, um, and this Napoli are the three best Serie A champions that we've seen in the last 12 years. I think they're in a league of their own. Yeah. They're definitely they're definitely in the debate for the best the best since since two thousand six, since Calciopoli. Because after Calciopoli obviously the Serie A declined quite badly. So, you know, it's difficult. If you go before two thousand six, I think you would find you would well, find they other spent teams. More as well. I mean if you look at Roma yeah. from the you know, turn of the yeah. century. And they had all that, the biggest stars and the stars in Serie A. So that's why I think it's easier to kind of debate it since since 2006 um but yeah i mean i think you've got inters inters treble winners i mean juventus i, I wouldn't know which ones to pick as the best out of that because there's a lot of different teams i mean the conte's final season they they got the record breaking total 102 points um you know but then you've got the 2015 team which nearly won the treble they reached the champions league final uh allegri's first season I and mean, that was an amazing team with that with that legendary midfield of pierla uh Pogba and Vidal and then Marquisio as well as an option. Um, but then you got the 2015-16 when they overtook Napoli and when they went on that long winning run. And you got the 2016-17, which is the one that you picked out. Yeah, uh, Higuain's first season when they they almost Barcelona. Just the the way they well. dismantled Barcelona that year was just hmm. <sighs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know who I'd pick as the best Juventus team during that. You know that I, nine I, I winning streak. I'm not. I'm not sure, but. But from Inter, yeah, the Inter one definitely is the treble winning season. But I mean, they, they're, they're up there. Up it's, there. It's those three. They're I think those there, three. Yeah. yeah, those three teams. Those three squads are head and shoulders above everyone else. And and it's looking like you know. I and I, and I want to say this because I think that I honestly think that if Napoli were to go past Milan uh, in the quarterfinals of the Champions League and they win the Scudetto, they secure the Scudetto on match day thirty two against Salernitana at home, which is when I think they will do it. Then, um, then, then I think you know the when they secure the Serie A title, all the pressure is gone, and also that city is special. When you know our good friend Patrick Kendrick always says that, you know Naples is a city that doesn't do anything in moderation. It's known for doing that in a country known for doing that, and that goes both ways. When things go well, Napoli fly off into space. When things go back, they circle down, down the toilet. Thing after winning the Serie A title, they will be. It's just it'll be a feast unlike anything anyone has ever seen, and they will just catapult the energy that will release. And if that means by then they will also have gone through to the semi final of the Champions League, that'll just be them enjoying life. And Osiman, and if they can all stay fit, and Osiman, Kvara, and these guys, if they can stay fit, I'm 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 saying, I think they're winning the Champions League if they go past Milan. And they secure the Serie A title then, around then. Then I think they're winning the Champions League. And then we're talking one of the great, if 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 they even eclipse the accomplishment of Maradona's Napoli. 
that that's the level. Yeah, we're at that's there. definitely that's definitely something to debate as well. Okay, mm. right. Rest of Serie A calendar this weekend: Sassuolo one, Spezia nil, Atalanta two, Empoli one. And um, that's four wins in a row for Sassuolo and Atalanta back in the top four race with another goal mm. from Rasmus Hoyland. Monza one, Cremonese one, and Salernitana two, Bologna two. Um, and then on Sunday, we had Sampdoria 3, Verona 1, their first home win of the season. Uh, that's a huge blow for Verona in the in the yeah, fight against relegation. And Samp, I mean, Samp is still miles away. They're nine points off safety, so I don't think it's no, going to change think this is the game that I think this is the game that costs Hellas Verona. The, this is the one yeah. where they will go down and say, oh, that's where we lost the, that's where we lost the, the chance to stay up. That That's a very mm. winnable game they just threw away. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Fiorentina won Lecce nil. Um, Fiorentina are in fantastic form at the moment. They had a really good win in in Europe as well. They got a good draw in the Conference League, uh, and uh, they are not far off the European places in in Serie A now as well. So mm. they, they've hit form at the right time, and they have Inter next, Nima. <laughs> they do, of course, they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Just before, oh gosh, we still got. Gosh, we got quite Conte a bit meltdown. Yeah, we got to yeah, talk about gosh. content because that was one of the oh, funniest gosh. things. Yeah, I mean, all right. Antonio Conte meltdown. So he throws his. So they draw three all with Southampton, three one up with thirty minutes to go. They can see two late goals. Draw three three. Does a post match press conference. Goes on a ten minute rant. Has a complete meltdown. Throws all his players under the bus. Criticizes the owner Levy. Although he later says that he he later told him that he wasn't criticizing him, but it looked like he was criticizing him. Um, he was so very. He was very. He put that years. in. So <laughs> the thing is, he does it so smartly as well with this owner for twenty years. No one want, like he. It's very like he. He does it so diplomatically. Slides that one in because you can't. You can argue it both ways, and then he clarifies that he doesn't mean that. But yes, mm. the overarching message here was the players. He was fed up with them, and to be honest. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows I have no favourites in the Premier League. I don't support any team in the Premier League. I have teams I'm, you know, sympathetic towards. So I've got no no agenda here. But I was angry when I saw that goal, that Walcott goal. How do you allow a simple pass to go through three lines of players? It wasn't, it wasn't a no look Ronaldinho pass. It was the most bl- simplest of passes straight down the. Mi- I mean. Of I would be fuming as well. I think everything he said, every syllable he said about the players was 110% right. I, I, I watch that and go, well, he's, he's right. Everything he said is correct. Every single thing he said is correct. And if they sack him, well, then Levy's not a serious owner. This is not a serious club. Because then you just basically give another alibi to the players. I mean, if you saw what he said, Conte, he comes out and says, I don't even want to talk about the penalty. Yes, I don't think blah, blah, blah. But then he goes and he's like, the attitude, the desire, they're not playing for the badge and the shirt. They have no respect for themselves. The the fans, they're, oh, everything he said was right. And I can't, you know, I can't hold it against him because I, 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 I would have been happy. Sometimes I think fans wish that their manager would speak like this about their players when they deserve it. What remains to be seen now is how do the players react after that? Because if he's lost mm. the dressing room, he has to leave now. But if he hasn't and and you, you want to back him, he could actually still finish fourth with these guys. And then obviously I think he'll leave. I don't think he's going to stay past this season. I'd be very surprised if he did. Yeah. But, I mean, I'll repeat what I've said. I'll repeat what I've said quite a few occasions in recent weeks around in and around the, the AC Milan games is that you know a lot of what he said here 
is right. Um, you know, there is a cultural issue at the club and a lot of the players are not good enough. Um, but, you know, the, this Spurs squad, are they really a top four team in the Premier League? They're mm-hmm. not. For me, they're not. If you look nope. at them player for player on paper, they're not one of the four best teams in the Premier League really on paper. Right. And because he's overachieving. Conte overachieved massively getting fourth last season. He took them up from, where were they, ninth when he took over. And being fourth now this season, right now, I mean, that could change. You know, there's teams there's teams chasing them. But as it stands, they're still fourth at the moment. He has overachieved right now, but getting them into fourth. Um, I do accept that Tottenham have played poorly this season and they've been very inconsistent, especially in 2023. Uh, and, you know, they've probably, they've, they've, they've eked out a lot of results that they, you know, without playing well. They were knocked out early in all the cups, so they, they won't win anything. Um, and, you know, against Tottenham, you know, low block, trying to defend against bottom in the league. I mean, I don't like that. Um, I don't like that at all. And they, they haven't, they've been been like that too much this season. I know that to an extent, that is the Conte way. Um, so, I mean, he does, you know, there's two things are true. He does need to take some responsibility for that. But the bottom line is that I think he's overachieved massively. With this, mm. with this Tottenham team because, you know, they're not better than Chelsea on paper. They're not better than Liverpool on paper. I know they, they, those squads have problems. Um, you know, Newcastle, they're even better than Newcastle on paper. Um, maybe they are, but probably not by mm. much. Um, not by much. So, 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 yeah, I think that, uh, I think that he is right to, to be frustrated with the players. Um, and, you know, as I said last week or the week before, I think that, you know, Tottenham have bought really badly. I mean, look at the players that Paratici has brought in. How many of them, you know, are of a top four level? I'm not sure that many of them are. Romero, Romero, maybe. Uh, not many others. Uh, so I think a lot of the blame has to go on Paratici as well. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I think there's no doubt he will leave. The only question is, will he leave before then? Does he want the sack? Did he want the sack with this? Or, uh, I don't Will he still so. be there next game? I don't, I don't think he wanted the sack. I I don't know if he'll be there, but I think if if Levy sacks him, he's not a serious. Then Spurs aren't a serious club. It's it's mm. it's obvious. You know, you, for me, at this moment, when you if you sack Antonio Conte when he said the truth about the players, then you're siding with the players. Well, <laughs> could ain't no every, every coach is toast in that situation, and you're not a serious club. Mm. That's how I see it, honestly. Of yeah. course, Conte has to take responsibility. There's no doubt about that. He's paid, he's on a lot of money. I think it's 15 million a year or something. But look, yeah. it's at the end of the day, these are the players he's got and, and and this is how it is. And I think it's such a shame that Destiny Udoji is going to that mess next year. I really, really hope mm. that either if Conte stays or somebody, you know, they send him on loan back to Italy or something because Destiny Udoji is an important player. I want him to play under a top coach and develop. I look at this from an Italian national team perspective and I feel bad if he goes to that mess, if Conte's not there, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, um, let's just finish off before we do bad during Prem Face of the Week. Italy's squad for the Euro 2024 qualifiers. So um, Italy play England on Thursday in Naples and they play Malta on Sunday away. The other teams in their group are North Macedonia, who of course <laughs> knocked Italy out of the World Cup qualif- uh, playoff qualifying, and uh, Ukraine. And the top two qualify for the Euros in Germany uh, next year. So 
it should uh, should be easier for Italy to qualify. They surely won't fail to qualify again, you'd think. But this first game against England is very, very big. Um, goalkeeper, I'll just quickly read out the squad. So the goalkeepers, Donnarumma, Falcone, Meret and Provadel. And Provadel's just pulled out, I believe. Um, defenders, uh, Acerbi, Bonucci, Bongiorno from Torino, Damian, Di Lorenzo, Di Marco, Romagnoli, Scalvini, Spinazzola and Toloi. Di Marco probably is going to pull out as well for yeah. injury. Midfielders, Barella, Cristante, Fratesi, Giorginio, Pellegrini, Pessina, Tonali, Ferrati. And forwards are Berardi, Chiesa, Nyonto, Grifo, Pafundi, Politano, Retegui, Scamacca. Uh, Chiesa's Chiesa <laughs> there he goes again Chiesa is uh, probably going to pull out with you, injury I, I just love well. every time S plus a consonant consonant becomes sh and, and I love that I love that the, the Neapolitan in you comes out every time and I absolutely love it you, can, you may, you're not you never change that love it it's endearing um, but well, Chiesa's pulling out Di Marco's pulling out uh, Providel's pulling out you know it is it is what it is I would have liked to see Zakani um other than that, I don't really have much. You know, Retegi, we're going to have a interview this week with, uh, isn't it? It's this week, isn't it, Carlo? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It, it, we're, we're looking to do that to push out on Wednesday. Um, yeah. A little profile. Deep dive about Retegi. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, with uh, Dan. With an Argentine who lives in football Argentina. journalist. Yeah. Yeah. He lives in Yeah, lives in Buenos Aires. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, Retegui is, is the big talking point here. The the fact that Italy's attack is so short on uh, well this season goals. No one, no one in Europe, no one's hit double figures. Uh, Italian attackers have hit double figures this season uh, in the in Europe's major leagues. Um, that's it damning. Says everything. It says everything. Everyone's everyone's either injured, out of form, uh, not playing for their clubs. I mean, Schemacher is his third choice striker at West Ham. Behind Mikel Antonio and Danny Ings, I mean that. That's I mean that's more down to David Moyes being a complete idiot, but it's still damning. <laughs> uh, and you know, it's 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 the fact that we are naturalising an Argentinian from the Argentine league. Who people I've spoken to, including Dan, the head of this interview, have told me that they rate him very highly. But it does show where Italy are right now, especially with the number nine. The fact that you know they're having to go to the Argentine league. They're even looking at a player in the Romanian league. Um, Andrea Compagno who was an amateur up until 2020 and they were looking at him playing for Stel Bucharest he's desperate he's absolutely desperate he's absolutely desperate Mm. and and you can understand why yeah yeah we're short at centre-back as well for this game Uh, and there are not many players too many players are in form I think just the Inter players who are probably exhausted well they looked exhausted after those Porto and Juventus games Uh, and probably Di Lorenzo uh, they're the only ones that are that are in form Going into this game, so we, we you know, we're, we're 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 in very very bad shape for this game against England, uh, and you know it's difficult. We got asked this question in our Q and A on Tuesday's episode. It's difficult to know what formation Mancini should play against England. Should he go to a back three, like a three-five-two, or is play his preferred formation four-three-three? But you know, whichever he plays, I don't know who he plays in attack in this game. I haven't got a clue who he picks. Maybe Nyonto because he's you know I'd probably he plays in play... England. And he, I'd probably play Scamacca and uh, and uh, Nyonto up front, or um, Berardi Scamacca. I don't know. It's, it's one of those two, but I prefer Nyonto Scamacca. I think Scamacca. You play Scamacca though, even though he's not match fit. I mean, he's barely played. I mean, yeah, but it's still started. This is the problem. This is the problem Italy have. Um, mm. You know, they I, really I don't do. know who they play they at really centre back. 
Yeah, I mean, they definitely shouldn't play three four three. That was too too open no, in the last game no. against Austria. That 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 he needs to 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 end that. But you know, England. I mean, England's attackers are all in great form. Um, Rashford is on fire. More goals than anyone in this calendar year, isn't he? In Europe's big mm. leagues, uh, Saka's playing great. I mean, Kane is Kane. Even even Tony's got scoring okay. a lot of goals. I mean, their attacks in a great form. Um, yeah. The only thing that I would say Italy have over England, which I've always midfield. said in the last few years, is the centre of midfield. Um, you know, apart from Bellingham, I think all of England's centre midfielders are in are not playing, not having good seasons uh, at all. Declan Rice, Phillips isn't playing. Mount's been a disaster. Henderson uh, looks old. I mean, you know that Italy can win that area, control the midfield. Hopefully, for Italy's sake, that will you know hope them get them allow them to to try and get a good result. But if I'm being perfectly honest, I take a draw right now. With yeah, so the form, so the shape and form and players that Italy have available, I take a, I take a draw and then try and get the points needed in the other games to qualify. Same, same, <laughs> same. same. That's it. without a doubt. Mm. Okay, right. Let's uh, let's finish off with Badger and Prim face of the week. Okay, Badger is pretty easy one, Nima. Yeah, it's got to be all the Italian teams uh, that got through in Europe, isn't it? Hmm. It's got to be that they were all of them quarterfinal champion. Three teams in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, two in the Europa League, and 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 uh, Fiorentina who have a clear path to the final of the Conference League. So, you know, that's we we did a deep dive on Friday on on all the Italian teams, uh, uh, you know, and and the draws and and how it looks. So make sure to check that out on it's it's for Patreon only. So patreoncom slash Yeah, 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 yeah. Do check that out. Okay, Prem faces the week. I've got one. <laughs> this is brilliant. Have you have you got one? No, no, no. I I, I know what you've got, and I think it's fantastic. But there's, <laughs> okay. there's never any. There's always like it, it's more. It's 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 more. It's easier to win the Champions League than to become the Prem face of the week because the competition is just. Oh, that's correct. <laughs> that's, that's definitely correct. It started off with the Irish. The the Irish started this off. See, they they announced their under nineteen squad and they put out a a press you know a press release with the you know list in the squad as you know as the national teams do, and they had a player who uh, an Irish player that plays for for Sassula. They they named him, him playing for Sassula. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sassuolo. so I mean, it can happen. It could have just it could have just been a typo though. It could easily have been a typo. They just missed a they missed a name. Yeah. So we, we'll let them off for that. But then England basically, you know, they took it took it to the to the, the final final level boss with with theirs. So they named their England under twenty one national team. Uh, and there's a player called Jed Spence who plays for Tottenham. Uh, Antonio Conte doesn't like didn't want didn't want the Tottenham to sign him so just refused to play him which is what Antonio Conte always does isn't it not Antonio Conte signing he just will not play them to make his own point um, so yeah Jed Spence plays for Tottenham um, he got loaned out in January to to um, I'm now going to give it the Prem face name so for Rem for Rem in um, in uh, in in sorry see I'm Prem facing yeah it's Ligue, Ligue 1 isn't it yeah, yes, France. Good, but who does he play? Who does he play for? Jed Spence he plays for Wren. Wren plays for Wren. Yeah. He's on loan. Yeah, he's on loan at Wren. Right. So I'm mixing this up now. Yeah. Um, so Jed Spence is on loan for Wren. Right. So they're, ne- they're announcing their squad, and they should have put Jed Spence Wren. Right. What they did is they they had him down as playing for Stad de Wren. Right. 
So they've mixed this up in so many ways. It's, it's just it's just hilarious. So let me spell that for you, how they spelled it out. Stad, and they spelled it S-T-A-D-D-E, which is spelt wrong. Stad should be spelled S-T-A-D-E, which is like stadium uh, in, oh, in, in French. In French then, yeah. they, they, then they did DER, um, they put capital D, uh, e, uh, and then they called it Stade de Rennes, as in Rennes, R-E-N-N-E-S, right? Now, Jed Spence plays for Rennes. He doesn't play for Stade de Rennes. Um, and uh, now Rennes is also known as Stade René, so it's possible yeah. that might have been where the confusion yeah, possibly come from. I, think I don't know. I but think what they're basically doing is the England FA are mixing Rennes up with uh, Stade de Rennes, Stade de Rennes, R-E-I-M-S, yes, not Rennes. And that's the team that Follarin Balagun plays for, who's having a fantastic season, has been actually been linked with Milan and Inter, uh, who's on loan from Arsenal to to, to Rennes, to Stade de Rennes. Um, so they've they've completely mixed up Ren and Rem, but they've also put a Stad De in front of Ren. Uh, they've and also they've put a capital stad. D. <laughs> they've misspelled Stad, but they've also put a capital D as well, which yeah. you don't do. It's it's it's, it's a small D, um, yeah, which yeah. is another hallmark of the Prem face as well. Doesn't matter, small... does it? Doesn't matter, it, it... does it? Some frog club. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But but that is a, that is another hallmark of the Prem face: mixing up it. your small Ds with your big Ds. You know, like Di Maria, <laughs> you know, Angel Di Maria or Roberto Di Zerbi or Paolo Di Canio. You know, they always get the Ds wrong. They either put the, the you know they put a small D when it should be a, a little little D, and they put a little D when it should be small. That happens all the time. You'll see it all. The, it's, it's like constantly for, 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 I've seen it for, for, for years for years and years um so very, and very that, just just to, just to hammer home that point they also did this with Balogun's club they put a they put a big d rather than a small d <laughs> for, for, for Balogun yeah. so they, they they said that he plays for Stad Derem with a big d rather than mm. a small d. well at least they got so the spelling go. right on that but yeah, no, yeah they got I, the club they got the club right there yeah it's you know <laughs> yeah. every cloud <laughs> yeah. No, but it's uh, yeah, no, it's the prem faces. We, I mean, the, the that hashtag. Please keep using them and adding us because I I die every time. Um, they're they're so good. They're so so good. We yeah. love the prem facery, especially <laughs> Sam, Samuel Ventures is the yes. one that sends us well, millions. General, every week. But I, I found the better. I found the better one this week. So <laughs> up yeah. your game. <laughs> yeah, up your game, Sam. Up your game. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come back okay, with a vengeance right. now. Yeah, God, that was a long show today. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, let's leave. Let's leave it at that. Um, so this week we'll be back tomorrow with the Tuesday with the Q and A. Uh, Wednesday we will have a profile on um, Matteo Rettegui, the, um, the the new uh, naturalized Argentinian striker that's playing for Italy uh, with Dan Edwards. And then on Thursday, uh, Nima, you're going to do a, a post match reaction pod on Italy England. Yeah. On Italy England, yeah. So we've got something every day for you this week. Right. Okay. Let's uh, let's call it a day. Um, we will see you again on Tuesday. Uh, until then, ciao ciao.